It's the only victory that I can have. <laughs> Hello, welcome to Schmoe Center. This is the uh, breakdown show of the Schmodown where we look at a match that just happened and break it down, see the analysis, and give some analysis to it. I'm Don Hill. That man right over there is Jacoby Bancroft. Same Hello. family stuff. Semi-finalist, just leave it at that and just leave it vague. It's semi-finalist yeah. or something. You don't know what it is, but I was semi-finalist somewhere before. I, we usually so have fun. more people with our posse, but now it's now it's just us, the, the, the two wacky people of this group. So we're gonna have some fun. This is gonna be fun. But yeah, it's um interesting interesting past hour or two up behind the scenes, but that's fun. That's fine. We're rolling with the punches. But yeah, uh, so yeah, so we are here to talk. You saw the banner. Hopefully, it's the the Barbarian versus Clue Wiggins. And please be aware, we are going to talk spoilers for the match. So if you've not watched it, pause, go watch it, and then come so, back to this exact moment. Exactly. If you don't come back oh. at this moment, it'll be weird. It'll be very weird indeed. So we got two rookies, two brand new personalities entering the showdown. What are you? What are your, your initial thoughts going into this uh, between? Barb and Wiggins, the Barbarian and Wiggins. The Barbarian. So it's been interesting because Barbarian has been getting a lot more coverage than pretty much any other rookie, but like especially on this round itself. Like off off it, like Rob Parker's probably gotten more talked about, but it's like the Barbarian has been the visual vocal point for a rookie so far this season. Definitely, even last season too, because there was that quick cutscene of just him, of just like when the draft was starting, about with him and Finstock saying like, "Hey, you should draft me." Like, I like I'm important. Like, like basically like that. He was like one of the only rookies to really have any sort of cutscene and introduction to the character. So expectations were pretty high for this guy going in. And uh, and Clee Wiggins as well. She did get a lot of praise from like Mark Ellis when he got when she got drafted. He mentioned that oh she stand up. She's very good in IG. All this stuff. So she was she wasn't coming in as complete unknown, complete just like oh someone went behind the ears for the barbarian to destroy. Yeah, but it was an it was a competitive match as well. You were thinking that with the way that the barbarian was built, you were expecting him just to go in and just like oh yeah, they'll just give him a hammer just uh absolutely kick the living crap out of. But no, Clee Wiggins very strong competitor. She's gotten lucky with due to questions. Mm-hmm. Um, she had they had great personalities i think both of them and i think as rookie debuts i think that's what you kind of need uh going forward because you need to make an impression and stand out in this crowded field of new rookies and returning teams like you need to make an impression personality wise not just knowledge wise and i think both of these competitors did that really well very true it's um uh, both of them came in with the character like elvis the chinchilla which ah. So is it alive or is it dead? Is this like uh Schrodinger's cat on someone's shoulder? Exactly. That's what it is. It's like you don't know how, how it's reacting. If we don't look at it, if we close our eyes, it starts moving. Yeah. And apparently gives answers to trivia questions. Yeah, so then he had two people on his team, which is uh, I think yeah. it might be a little iffy on the rules. But then Cuckoo's Mess had the baby trying to give him answers, so I don't know. I think we're we're this is the new era, which is inanimate third person objects giving answers to questions. If you if you're able to put like a little microphone in there and head speakers, or I imagine it speaks in Finstock's voice. I I imagine just like Finstock doing a fake European accent <laughs> back in his uh, just in Gucci in his, his uh, 
doing that. But yeah, overall, I mean, I think it was a good prop. I think it played up to Craig's whatever his his just normal personality is. I think they leaned into that a little bit more and, and he created this really kind of weird but also very interesting character. Yeah, absolutely. So the character kind of has already come fully fleshed pretty much. Like most of the time you just have to see like three or four games before they kind of really realize. But now he was acting up to it. He's playing well and did pretty well. Yeah, that, that round one, I think, was good for uh, both competitors, really. I mean, the only uh, misstep was... Uh, it, it seemed to be start start off a little rocky because uh, Clea did uh, uh, do the JTE rule at the very hmm. first question of the match. And uh, you kind of think, like, uh-oh, like, is this going to be a bit of a problem? But what do you think her thinking was behind that, for using that right away? Normally, that's a sign of a player that's just going to absolutely shit the bed. However, if seemed that like it was just a case of nerves for her. It was just like once she got the question, she just was able to just like, okay, got the first point. Let's now relax and go crafting on with the rest of it. I wonder if it was one of those things. It's like, you know, she uh, started, you know, what film in the Mission Impossible franchise, she put four first, right? Like, and that was yeah. it. But then it's like, oh, you need to write the full title, but now I only have five seconds left. Let me just, I need more time to put that down. Right, quite possibly as well. Like, it's one of those things where... It would have been an interesting challenge. You just turned around, and just like, oh yeah, it was the fourth one. Just like, no, screw it. No, we said no. Yeah, because like, yeah, because I guess as the question is word itself, what film in the Mission Impossible franchise? Since it's not in the question, that it's like you need to be specific. I think that hmm. answer you could challenge is correct because it's what film? It's the fourth film. Yeah, to be fair, Ellis does clarify it during during the fifteen seconds. However, it's one of those things where it's like, how far into the question? Like, do you ask it, say, or do you have to say at the beginning? That'd be an interesting scenario for them to have to deal with. Yeah, but and that and then going through, I guess the only the only one that really um, stumped uh, uh, the pimp. It's, I like that nickname, the pimp. That's a good um, nickname. Was I, uh, the what? I'm only a tiny bit disappointed that she didn't go full stereotypical pimp, just like a full like huggy bear outfit, pimp cane, pimp class. Huggy bear. Are you making a Starsky and Hutch reference? Starsky and Hutch, yeah. Who just has a Starsky and Hutch reference like as their go-to? All right, name another famous pimp. I can't name a lot of famous pimps, but I'm just, I just, it's, it's like when I think of pimp, I, I didn't even remember the guy's name was Huggy Bear until you, until you said it, and then it clicked. I don't Some have pe- Huggy Bear on the brain, I'm sorry. Some people are big fans of Snoop Dogg. What can I say? <laughs> Yeah, so the only question that really disrupted her was the animated one, which is the name of Gaston's short-statured sidekick in Beauty and the Beast. And she was on the right track. She had that it was Josh Gad. She went with another Josh Gad character, but it's just like, it's just one of those things where that was probably looking at the most difficult question off the I think round. So. I agree. It's the one I, because I couldn't remember. I was like, foe? Foo? I didn't yeah. know it was Lafu. Like, I, that's the one I missed, too. <laughs> I was just a beautiful question in there right in the middle just to kind of knock both the six but sadly only knocked one of them out for that yeah because that's one because it seems like barbarian has very specific strengths right like he just seems like like you know oscars so he seems like the the award winners i think you don't think that he would mess with animated very much but he knew this one so we don't really know any at least out of this round one we don't know if he has any gaps so far very true um, so going in, so uh, end up first round being eight seven to Barbarian. Barbarian does get his bonus question, so it's nine seven. Well, uh, Elvis Chiller, I should say, gets a bonus question. So, yeah. and, uh, looking at the wheel for the second round. So, um, 
uh, Barbarian Spoonfest and got Common Brothers, which is a new category. So it's interesting to see what's actually being put on the wheel now because it seems that, especially compared to the matches that were first recorded, now they're showing the more of the newer varieties because you had uh, Harrison Ford, Eddie Murphy. A lot more on the wheel now. That was yeah, like Tom, even Tom Hanks. I don't remember a Tom Hanks slice before, even though that was a Patreon slice. Yeah, I I'm not sure. I can't remember if there was a Tom Hanks before. So, so what do you think were their two strengths that they chose? Because you, because you know, it's not Tom Hanks. Um, and action, like, because that was the Patreon one. Um, mm. Oscars was probably the Barbarian strength. Drew Barrymore, we know, was not Wigan's strength. No. So uh, Wiggins uh, in her pre-match thing, it showed that rom-coms were a strength for her, so that was probably hers. And okay. she's Star Wars fans, probably Harrison Ford. Hmm. That's uh, an interesting category, a Harrison Ford category. Yeah, I was, I'm just trying to think now because just like you could either get all the sci-fi, like all the big blockbuster stuff, or just like in Witness, yeah, or The Age of Adeline. Great movie, but, um, by the way. I love Age of Adeline. Um, as well. Uh, just could check it. Um, so the barbarian, his um, strengths on the board pre were the hair, the guns, and Oscar movies, and Clee Wiggins, uh, sci fi rom coms, and 80s 90s films. Interesting. And so, yeah, I wonder if Harrison Ford was her strength, but even and then the barbarian spinning Coen Brothers and then keeping it. If that wasn't one of his strengths, then then he's a very scary competitor because if that wasn't his other one. Because he seemed to really dominate that category, and if that wasn't even his strength, then we got a like a potential champion on our hands here. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Finstock has been building him up as just like potential singles competitor to go for the title. So in this performance, so uh, he went um, four four. Only need to go multiple choice once for a very difficult question in the No Country for Men. How much money does Josh Brolin character find after a deal gone wrong? If you've not watched that movie recently, then num that number isn't going to come to head. Numbers questions are so hard in those terms. Like, and that's like a famous Coen Brothers movie. I think the only one that was like, I would say is like a harder one than that is the one that Chance Ellison got like a while ago. Like how much is Ryan Reynolds being uh, uh, ransomed for in the movie Buried? Mm. That's a hard one. Except that's like an also a, like, you know, years ago movie where it's like, if you don't know that movie very, very well, you're not going to get the number for yeah. in order to do that. And a tad bit of comparative difference. Uh, Ransom was a smaller film. No Control Men, one of the biggest Oscar winners of the last two decades. That is that is so. true. That, that that is that is true to say. Uh, but I like this round two too because it seemed to keep progressing in difficulty. I mean, it started off like who played Maud Lebowski, and that's like a pretty like if you know the movie, like you know Julianne Moore, hmm. and then it's, and then even the then they ask a lesser known Coen Brothers movie, but still a great. This I love this Coen Brothers movie. Uh, a, a serious man. A serious I love man, this yeah. movie. Michael Stolberg is great in it. But then and it's like, okay, these are going to be easy Coen Brothers questions, like name the movie. But then it got like two very specific questions of like brand of diapers and how much money. It's like, those are, those seem, those are difficult. Yeah. And the uh, brand of diapers one, obviously, you just have to think of what's the brand of nappies, which we call them over here. Um, like you go Pampers and then Huggies and then just like, okay, which one's more believable? So it is guessable, but the, but I did like the, how it went down. And just like it was like almost like it was like, all right, this is kind of a one point income. Brothers is a two point. This is a three point. This is a four point in terms of difficulty. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's how all 
questions should really be structured in, in two point rounds. Cause there's, there's a lot of times where just like you get a really hard question, to start off the bat. You have no idea. And then, then like the fourth question is like a super easy one. I would much rather prefer progressing difficulty of just like from name, name the movie to, to something buried to plot heavy in the movie itself. Yeah. It's also good for competence. Cause if you get that first question wrong and it's super hard, you said just like, well, fuck. Exactly. All but right, man, I, I'm so sad that he missed he, or he had to go to multiple choice because I think he he that was the potential for a potential just perfect game. He, yeah, I, that was because he did. He was technically correct as a perfect game, but then by having to check to multiple choice, I mean it's yeah. still very impressive. But man, like damn, so close. Where do you stand on that? What is a perfect game for you? Is that is a perfect game going even with multiple choice or because to, to me a perfect game is no multiple choice. Mm. Um, that's, I, 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 I admit that it's super impressive to be technically perfect with, with multiple choice and everything like that. Um, but I just think if you just, in the terms of perfect games, it needs to be all without having one of the answers in front of you, like knowing that that one is it. I think yeah. it's, what about you? I've got this like free category it says the no hitter, which a barbarian did. So where it's like, he got it think correct. He did. And but would use mobile choice. Then the perfect game, which is going through and getting everything right, doesn't need to go to the third round. Then a the final one, the impossible game, where you get every single question right, even your five-pointer. Mm, yeah, that, that, and that's always so tough because you need to have a competitor who can go the distance as well. Yeah, you what, need would, someone. what would you count it if, if they miss a steal opportunity? If they get all the other questions right, but they miss a question in the steals? Out. Oh, no. yeah. I'm Ooh, nice. throwing some drama your way, making you think. I don't like thinking. Um, I say steals are kind of a separate ball game. It's almost like it's a different. Like it's not something you should be expected to get. Your opponent should be getting it. So if you get that, it's bonus on top. But if you don't get it, then it's like just free money. Yeah, I think a player will go down in history because like they need to. They need to be two players who can who can go the distance, but one player only misses one in multiple choice. And and then the other person steals it, and then they but then they both answer every other question correct in order to make it to like that final five point like thing, and then that player is going to be immortalized forever. Yeah. If anyone ever actually does that, then that game will be the greatest game of all time. And then just like, oh yeah, just give them the title now; it's fine. Yeah, give, give whoever it is, just give it to them. All right. Uh, so Klee spins, so she gets Drew Barrymore, spins again, and gets Oscars. So for someone that said that rom-coms was a strength, going away from Drew Barrymore and then saying in the well in the post-match interview, saying, "Oh, uh, I don't think I would have done that strong in it." Is that a kind of worrying sight if you're going to keep going back to the well of rom- rom-coms? I think Drew Barrymore is one of those interesting actresses who has such a breadth of things. Like, yes, she's in a lot of rom-coms, but I think out of those four questions, only one of them is going to be a rom-com question. Like. You're either going to get what, like Fever Pitch or uh, Fifty First Dates or anything with Adam Sandler, I guess. I've never but been like, kissed. I just, I still, but I still, she has such a wide variety of stuff that I just, I just don't think um, if you're if rom coms is your strength that you stick with Drew Barrymore. Fair. Oh yeah, of course. Especially like... when you're down that much, you you need to spin for your strength category. I think like you need to have a category that you're not just like okay, I can get two questions right. At that point, it's like I need the category. I need the wheel to go my way and get categories that I can go all four in. Yeah. Like, because uh, she was, let's see. Um, uh, she was uh, 16 to 7. So, yeah. so that's, t- that's terrifying to say, especially if you're a rookie, where it's just like, because if you get one, if you 
guy kind of girl you get spent opponent choice pretty much you're looking at ko yeah but even then i guess like even if she got opponent's choice i wonder if, if craig would have given her oscars because that was seems to be his strength true that would probably was his strength and looking at it she did incredibly well and she got three out of the four correct and it was like uh the uh, like pre-code era oscars movie that she got wrong right and yeah. that's how did you feel about those questions for the Oscars? Because it seemed that it was uh, very weirdly written because they were all pretty much the same question. Just like, this, post, this actor got one for this movie. What movie? Yeah, I'm trying to think of other categories because like, I think in a previous Oscar, when, when people spent Oscars, it's always been like, what won Best Director in 1984 or four? Mm. Like, these ones were, you're right, very specific. If Nicolas Cage won his only ask Oscar for what film? Michael Keaton won his only Oscar nomination for what film? It makes you think like, are these questions randomized? Um, or are they are they picked and chosen specifically for that match? I would be interesting. No, we got we'll have to poke a crush matter to see if we can get any answers. Yeah. Just look at take a belly and see if they give us any secrets. <laughs> And that and that is uh, and she, yeah the only one that she missed was the who what was the first musical to win best picture uh, you know she went multiple choice on that one and yeah. guessed maybe she answered that one pretty quickly mm. um, and that is the safe choice and you know what I I was even it, even I was like I don't think it's West Side Story but like when it showed up on the multiple choice I was like oh maybe it is West Side Story so that one is uh, was Roman Melody which is the second ever Oscar. To- second Oscar winner so it's literally one of those cases where no one's probably seen that movie but it's literally you have to know every best picture winner in order to get that question right it feels right. like which to be fair if you're for a two point well for the small down for a two three point you probably should know at least the majority of the first like 20 films just like yeah. you know Wings Broadway Melody Great Hotel blah 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 sure I'm not going to say anymore because I don't know them off the top of my head no, you missed the the 1936 was blah blah blah. It was a movie starring uh, Judy Garland. Oh yes. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's the only thing about it. Look it's, it up. It's a great movie. I will. I'll watch it tonight. So um, Barbarian does get that steal, so it ends up being 17 to 13 going into huge, the third round. Which... Huge, and that 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 really since like it was a pretty close match going into that. But even if she got it by multiple choice, and then it's 14 to 16, that's still a pretty close game. But like missing that final one and creating a four point deficit is was just like, oh, this is this is pretty bad. Like this yeah. danger, not bad, but it's just a danger zone. Yeah, um, we've talked about it before. It seems like in sing- especially in a singles match, four points is kind of the death, like the go home it's over show time. If you've got if you're down that that much, like unless you can because it's all pretty much right on the five pointer and not it'll be interesting to actually go back and see how many five pointers have been hit this season so far. Because it feels like not many have. Yeah. That is that's that's a good thing. That is that is fun that would be go back to. Before our next schmo center, I might I'll go back and look. Well so, well, I'll have a look at Frank Janish's notes first. We'll try and see. Yeah, Frank Janish work. probably knows. Yeah, but um, so uh, Cleed set two point in Oscars. Um, she got that one incorrect, which was which best Oscar, which best Oscar winning film was directed by Gomel de Taro. I've said I butchered that name, but fuck it. Um, she knew, That's a tough she one. knew, yeah, she knew it was a fish fucking film. Uh, yep. Her words, not mine. Um, in the first match interviews, she but she just couldn't remember what the name of Ship of Water was, so which. 
especially if you're a rookie in that situation where you're face looking down the barrel of the gun of a TKO loss, just like how much stressful must it be just to be there, just like to God, I know this, I know this. It's that I could tell you the story, I could tell you like it's the guy with the fish, it's the yeah. blur. Yeah, I wonder if because because she seemed pretty calm and collected throughout everything. And I saw some of the commentators like, "Oh, the lights got to her." Like like everything, she didn't seem super nervous. Like throughout the match, she seemed pretty calm. Like overall, fine with like everything. But I wonder if the score was somehow reversed. Like if she had seventeen and Barbarian had thirteen, if she would have if she would have uh, remembered it or not. Yeah, the pressure that pressure was just a tiny bit alleviated off. Um, we may have had a different story. And then. Yeah. Uh, Second question, biopic. Same with two of the actors playing the NWA in Shay Outcompton. That is a brutal question, and I love it. I like that one. Just be, I, only, I only knew it because I love Corey Hawkins, but I, I only could name two of them. I can if they said like name three, it's like nope. I know yeah. O'Shea Jackson Jr. and then Corey Hawkins, who I think is a great actor. Um, but it's like that is that's a tough one if you don't if you aren't really familiar because neither of them are really stars yet. Like you know, yeah. like they're not they're not names. And going back looking at that movie, the publicist all about it. the only actor that you really knew about was O'Shea because oh yeah it's Ice Cube's son playing Ice Cube mm-hmm. so I would have personally I would have liked to see that as a five pointer you think well I th- I think hmm, if, if you had to switch the the three and the five of the new releases question would you would you agree that this was a five pointer well so I uh, have the uh, which actress played Elite in 2019 so Elite Battle Angel as a three pointer Oh. Yeah, because I think both of them are similar in terms of of their uh, the type of question they are because they're both movies where it's like you need to watch the movie and know about the movie in order to do it because you can't guess like a name star or anything like that. You have to intricately know the movie. The only difference is that Alita Battle Angel wasn't a big hit and Straight Outta Compton was. However, the thing with Alita Battle Angel is by, it has been asked so many times in the showdown the past year. It does feel like it's their go-to, just like, okay, we need a new release question, Elite Battle Angel. So it should be one way, if you've been studying the showdown, at least you've gone on the IMDb and just gone, okay, so it's Robert Rodriguez, James Cameron, Juice It, Rose Slark, Christoph Waltz, Mishra Ali, just to get some of the names down, just so you have them to hand. Yeah. But even still, picking the one who's probably least known him, I think Rosa Salazar is the girl in. She was great in like Man Seeking Woman, um, which was like she was in the final season of that. I think that's her. I think she was also in Bird Box for like a second. Um, let's see. Yep, she was Rosa in Man Seeking Woman. She yeah, was, she was great in that. Uh, she was in Chips. The oh sure the Dak Shepard movie. I think she's yeah, also in a new Amazon TV show about like. Uh, with Bob Odenkirk about like dreams and life or something like that. But so it's, the problem is she's not big yet. She's been no. around, but but she's not like you have to know that movie and and know it very well in order to get that five pointer. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a very brutal question for a five pointer. But I don't know. It's and because of the way that Barbarian played, do you think? I think he probably could have answered all three of his questions if if need be two, three, and a five. Yeah, especially because if she got the five-point release, it would have only meant that she would be up by one point. So it would have been a two-pointer. And you probably would have put your money on Barbarian. Probably would have been able to answer a two-pointer in any category at that point. Yeah. So so how do we feel about the two players? So we, the Barbarian coming off with impressive TKO victory, Klee Wiggins well, uh, victory and defeat. She did very well against someone that was meant to be like a steamroller. 
Yeah, I think both of them did. Uh, did uh, Barbarian seemed to meet the expectations surrounding him, but then Wiggins was also no slouch. I mean, like if like if it was any other player or or anything like that, I think the pimp would have come out on top there. Um, I think she had a very impressive debut, debut, and I'm very excited to see where she goes. She goes from here. It's not like a. I don't think this is going to be a Bonnie Somerville situation, where uh, you know she's dropped immediately after that, which was weird because some of the comments were sa- were saying that on the on the YouTube video. It's like, oh, get ready to drop her too, like like anything like that. But no, I think those are very different because I think Wiggins did a great job here. Yeah, Wiggins actually showed up. She gave a good performance. Like um, Shannon even says in the post match interview, uh, she stepped up to the plate because the people that should have didn't today. So it's even that situation where she would, she did a clerk. She wasn't even meant to be there today. Yeah. So having that performance on no preparation is well enough to be a slouch at. So hopefully we get to see her come back. Like I'm just having a quick look now at the uh, draft because she's be a very Cleveland would be a very interesting player to see in a team. I think so too. She'd be a, she'd be a solid uh, uh, team player. So who else does who could she pair with? Um, so you've got so uh, corruption's a team, Edward Hawke and Elliot Jubery are a team. So you would have uh, Marisol Mc- Marisol McKee, Rick Framos, or Laura Kennedy, but she's Star Wars, or uh, Claudia Dolph. I guess since we don't, yeah, it's either or, I guess uh, Ramos or Dorf, depending on how they do whenever they premiere, it's like maybe they can be a, a good team down the line. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, doing a bit of research in Rick Ramos seems that he's a stand-up comic as well, so it'd probably be a good idea to put the two comics together so they can just, A, put on a good show, and B, probably they know each other there because we've seen it every single team's match so far this season. It is the knowledge about your partner that's going to be the vic- big victor. Absolutely. And, and then looking at the Barbarian, so he is kind of stuck in the Finchuck exchange. He's never going to be uh, first or second fiddle for that team, but how do we feel going for 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 him? Gonna be. Oh, I don't know if your if yours or my audio cut out, but uh, I think he's gonna be great going forward. Um, I'm super excited to see where he goes. I think he can go on a pretty good singles run. He could be this year's probably Ethan Irwin, I guess. Like, yeah, absolutely. It's like the sky's the limit really for him. It's just a case of. The way of the rest of the Finch change is going to be the issue because obviously Finstock's never going to want to see those play each other in a title contention match because hey, we'd rather have Ben Bateman if he loses the title back in the contention picture because he's been there, done that, got a t shirt, whereas Barbarian might end up falling to the wayside. Even so. then, because like just the way, because if you get to a title match, you still get points. So if like it gets to the point where the number one contenders matches, like let's just say, let's say Merle wins uh, tomorrow, and it's so if you get to the point where eventually it's Bateman and V Barbarian, and the winner of that goes to play the, uh, you know, goes to play champion, that's just such a win in Finstock's book. Like I mean, like no matter what, it doesn't matter. It, very true. However, I would be quite interested to see what would happen if the. Barbarian went on the trade block if Finstock started shipping him around because you probably because if you look at Finstock Exchange, they're really missing. Uh, obviously, we've got Evelyn Rose Jacobson playing tomorrow, but they're missing that true top tier IG player. So, with a performance like this from the Barbarian, like you can go to, like, I don't, I'm just trying to think of a IG player that is worth the wait. The like, only one who has multiple good ones so far is Kaiser, right? With Smets and Parker. So, it's like right. if. 
Yeah, potentially. Or if you're looking at like uh, Winston Moose, why would like taking Adam Halavik? Yeah. Like, that would be. I don't know. I don't think I would trade Barbarian for Halavik. Well, he, Barbarian just seems to have no weaknesses so far. So if, like, if, if he's going to be a champion one day, you keep him there. True. All right, if you can keep him in the group. I right, uh, just quickly go through a few comments in the chat. So uh, Peggy Gubbins, uh, when we're talking about round two, uh, spinning away from Drew when round comes to strength is a big red flag, in my opinion. I would imagine that like Drew obviously is primarily known for rom coms at this moment in her life, but she has got like the Charles Angel series and turn of like a wild child move in a movies from a wild child period. But just like, oh, it'll be brutal if you get him. Yeah. Again, right. and just especially because if you're down that much, if 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 the score was a little closer, then I'd be like, yeah, I could probably work my way through Barrymore. But you want a category you can go four for four in. And then uh, Garfield Murray, uh, but that was rough to watch. I was rooting for Clee, but she wasn't at full power. She didn't even remember the basic rules. Yeah, which is an interesting thing. Where obviously she um, didn't know the name of JT rule, but that is a, it's a weird name to remember. To be fair to anyone that does play. Yeah, it's always, you, you know, the players ask, it's like, do I get multiple choice for this? A lot of people always jump on those people for just like, they don't know the rules, but I always see those lines as, are they jokes? They could be joking and they could be like, yeah. just trying anything to be like, okay, I'm pretty sure I don't get multiple choice here. Like, I know that for a fact, but like, maybe I do just in case I might as well ask. So I'm fine with people like, you know, asking that question or making that joke or just clarifying. I mean, I never knock them for like not knowing not knowing that in final, unless you're Matt Atchity. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only if exception. If you've played multiple times and you've still not got the rules, like I think Alonso Duralde even did it in his match against uh, Tom and Paul. They he asked about mobile choice in round three, I think. So uh, when you're doing that, you might deserve the criticism. When you're a rookie, brand new under the lights, you can get away with asking one or two dumb questions, right. All right, and then um, Garth McMurray asked what you mentioned earlier. I wonder if Shannon will jump, dump Clee like she did Bonnie. It'll be an interesting scenario because it'll be as well. How terrifying would it be if you're a member of the corruption team? If you have one loss, you're gone. Like, That's true, but, but it's just so different for like for people who have losses that are just like, yeah, they're not going to be able to compete for anybody before. Or can someone's like, yeah, this just wasn't this person's day. And that's what happened with Wiggins. It just wasn't her day. Yeah. I think with uh, Somerville, um, it was a case of, like, you kind of saw, like, a lot more weakness than you should expect from someone that had, like, that good performance against the Machine last season, stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas Klee has a lot more potential to go. All right, so what we'll do, we'll quickly go um, do a tiny breakdown on the Star Wars match. We're, neither of us are Star Wars experts, so we're not going to go into the nuts and bolts about it. it like, sadly, uh, Thomas Scully, Caleb Bowman can be here because they're the ones that really could be like, well, actually, the robot on the right side, right? That is actually the perfect impersonation of Boatman and both Scully. Yeah, it's that both their voices together. Yeah, so, yeah. combined um, into one person. What can I say? I'm a fantastic actor. Yeah, um, so looking at it, so the first thing, really, one of the greatest character turns in the history of the Smowdown, Homeless Lon Harris. Lon Harris, I think, is the best character in the Smowdown. I've said that before, and I'll say it again, because I think the work that he does, that the difference between who Lon actually is and the professor that he mounts is, is great. I mean, he is so committed to that bit, like, and he does it so well. Um, 
and and uh, yeah, homeless law <coughs> was great. The way that he both was homeless and like was trying not to care, but was like slipping back into his prof- professor persona, which yeah. he created. So it was an actor acting a certain way, pretending not to be his true self, and his true self is a character already. So it's just perfect. He was a dude being a dude pretending not to be another dude. Exactly. Got it. Yeah, and it's going to be so interesting now watching that character with like the whole swag squad because you got that like, Winsor Marshall vet. It's an actor in himself. He that that was probably one of the best shock cutscenes, just because like, most of the time when you have like people like Karnowski that just like completely destroy anyone else face acting with because hey, he's a trained professional. Yeah, he can act. Lon and Winston kind of had that rapport of just like, okay, you two are great, great. All right, we, now, when you add Paul and Yammer into that mix, that's going to be an interesting scenario. I'm oh. so excited to see. This was the first cutscene. I'm just like, I'm excited to see how this goes on. Yeah. And then, um, so um, we'll, what we'll do is we'll talk quickly about the rule changes for the Star Wars match because they got rid of it being 10 questions at round one. And now it's only going to be six questions, which considering how small a sample size they have to work with, that's such a smart move. Yeah, I think it is, and I think it makes sense for the like ten questions is a lot, but it also makes it I think easier to you know go perfect perfect in round one and get and close the gap between everybody else and Damon, because mm. you know ten questions it's like yeah you miss one but like Damon's going to probably hit all ten and and get the bonus question as well, then that's tough. But like six questions like that's doable. <laughs> Absolutely, it's doable, and it's, and also I think looking at the questions they seem to be harder. Well, obviously, I, I've said before, I'm not a Star Wars expert, so but they seem to be a little harder than you read the last year's Star Wars questions for the round one. So it's like it's almost like they've just gone, okay, we're going to take a step up, but it's going to be less, so you've got more to work with. Yeah. It's like, and so, like Adam went, uh ended up uh, five to four, but then it was the second round that really swung it because um, Wit went with, uh, ended up with uh, Solo. And then uh, sort of end up with Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Which it's right. it is what it is. Both those because I think what it comes down to is like once like Wit just didn't there's like some instances where he did not play the game as strategically as he could, where he probably should have challenged a question when he should have, and just didn't know to check to multiple choice when he should have. And I think that could have changed the game completely. Hmm. And it's also a situation because Star Wars is always going to be a case where you the prequels and the original trilogy are always going to be better known to competitors than the newer ones because you've had 20 years extra to watch them. Yeah. So it does feel that the wheel is always going to be slanted, but unless you are like a diehard, dying wall, I am a Last Jedi fanboy, come at me bro. You're never going to yep. really get that. Victory. I think what this league most needs is like besides knowledge is personality, like overall mm. for like to expand the credits. And I think both these guys have the potential, especially wit. I mean, I love wit like so much. I think he's so funny. Um, he brings a certain spark and even Sullivan had his moments too, of just like, I just think these are two strong competitors overall. Again, I don't think any of them are, are going to touch Damon. Um, but I didn't get the Irish stuff with Sullivan. Yeah, oh, I guess because they didn't play. Like it seemed like Kate was more playing into that more than. Yeah, it's, was. no, but it's also like she was doing an Irish jig. They came out to Irish music and just like I was expecting an Irish accent. I was expecting at least something to go. Oh, I'm Irish, just not like, I, I'm Irish Hi, American. I'm Sean. 
I think one of our members said it uh, the best when he says like he got it was like he was kind of like Brandon Hanna where it's just like he's like I'm coming for you I'm going to destroy everybody on my list but he's like trying to be like cool calm and collected but it's just like you're right it's like sure not everyone can act characters and also want to answer questions because people want to be themselves but it's like I imagine for Irish like I want someone like like Conor McGregor just like this really angry angry Irish person like coming out and being like hard to hard to hide a hole Maybe not like that, but something similar. That's another great impression from Tony Heald. So the bad thing about it, I'm actually a half Irish, so I should at least have the accent down. <laughs> I won't tell anybody. Yeah. And then, uh, so Sullivan uh, it does end up being evicted there in 1917. So it's and and Sullivan's quote to go with what you said. It was uh, why he came to Star Wars League. Honestly, because those who were competing were not that good. That just right. seems like a human, like, because again, just be, just based on this performance, it's like I, I don't see him beating Scrimshaw. I don't see him beating Laura Kelly. Um, but like, what's next in terms of the Star Wars League? Like, will there be? Because are there two more competitors who could face off in rookie matches and debut Star Wars matches before facing Sullivan to play for to play probably Laura Kelly for the number one contender spot? It'd be interesting because. Yeah. Look, remember trying to remember who got drafted. It was, I think, it was Sullivan was the only true, just like out of that person. Uh, just quickly, uh, Wookie Malavera, uh, the match has already happened, mate. It's SEN Live. Uh, if you go and this already happened at uh, six my time, I've done of 2 p.m., I think it was Eastern, yeah, but in place of SEN Live, uh, so yeah. So um, stop listening to us because we might spoil it. But give us a like and subscribe to the page and do all the shit. <laughs> but yeah, um, so uh, Sullivan was really the only player, I believe, that was picked up as a new Star Wars player. Obviously, Wit played in teams before. Um, but it was I think that was made um, the pre-match interview that was interesting, but Sullivan was picked the second highest Star Wars player as a complete rookie. He was uh, picked before Kelly, Scrimshaw, Andrew Dimalantra kidnaps up. Did he play that ability? After I guess I don't think so. But again, this is one match. It's like I say it's like sure, none of them are touching Damon, but it's like maybe we didn't get a full breadth of their knowledge for, for anything. Like, sure, he missed like one question here. He missed a few questions here and there, but maybe that's just like the beginning. Maybe he's he's going now that he's in this match, now that he's in this league, he's going to hard and study and go the distance and beat someone like knapsack and um you know or anybody else in this league because who knows because again i i it is one match yeah and uh just quick comment uh matthew says about star wars league i'll get rid of it and just have star wars in the indicate division honestly at this point especially damon's as well in the ig division i don't see a point for the star wars I think when you had this match, this match kind of reminded me how much fun a Star Wars match can be when you have two big personalities and answering really hard questions. Mm. Sure. I, I, I'm more in support of the Star Wars League now. Just when you have more competitors and not just the same three, um, like fighting back and forth between like Scrimshaw, you know, it's like if it's just Scrimshaw, oh, I guess Delamonte's De in there too. Yeah. See, it's exactly. just as long as they broaden their horizons and have more players, then I'm okay with it. I, yeah, if they this year if they actually do develop the league more, then absolutely. But if they can't get enough good players in, then scrap it and just. I know everyone keeps saying like, "Oh yeah, get do an MCU league," but honestly, if you're gonna do another league now, that would be the smartest one. The MCU league, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
and then you can get people like from the IG division to join in and then stuff like that goes. Yeah, that's just tough. But yeah, I agree. All right. Um all right, so I will do um so just to tell people about watching. So tomorrow night we are going live straight after the Atlanta match to do a breakdown of everything that happens. So just quickly say, uh Jacoby, um, what are your predictions? Have you got are you like nailing across like uh I'm gonna say Bateman, Bateman defend. I just and that's mostly because what I want to. It's not maybe hmm. I know Merle, I think is maybe might be the more well-rounded player, but I just really want Bateman to defend at least once before he loses it. Like before it goes back to Merle. Because someone said it best before. It's just like it's just I want new blood to hold it for a while, and I want people to actually defend this belt for a while to make it so it's not like every time it's a switch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at the moment you- there's only three players five to- Actually, defend the title with uh, not Whitworth, um, Levine, Morrill, and Thingamabob, um, Oyama. Thingamabob, the, the top player, he did, he did great, he destroyed Jeff Schneider, um, in a very close match. Thingamabob is my favorite new team. <laughs> that's, a, that's a potential team name later on. Uh, Mark that down for later. Yep, and INH explodes. What do you think? Got it. Yeah, yeah, um, Merle, Merle or Bateman? I would have to put the money down on Murrell, just because he's never lost a live performance. Bateman has shown that he can get rattled on a live show. He got that question. He lost against Shire Wolves, lost against who's, uh, lost against the odd couple. Like, Murrell just has a coldness about him when he plays. He's just like, I'm going to win no matter what, so I don't really care what you do. So that Bateman strategy is kind of and also this whole thing with the Roker stuff, like that's probably that's lit a fire in the Roker, especially. So he's probably helping Murrow more than he would have just regularly if the, this whole manager shit didn't happen. Yeah. So, yes, Garth Robert Thingamabob Parker. That is his nickname. Absolutely, hundred percent. We'll pitch that to him now. That's canon. Hundred percent. I did. Um, so uh, Alexander versus Emily Rose. Can you tell I've not been t- well today? Emily Rose Jacobson versus Alex I, Damon. I give it to Damon. I bet Damon studies really hard because he has a lot to prove in this league. Yeah. Uh, and it's an interesting thing because everyone keeps saying about, oh, uh, Emily did so well compared to her first match and second match. Just like, well, let's not forget, she did terrible in her first match. She did tough, and, and I'm sure she's been studying a lot, but I just think overall for in terms of study habits i'm gonna i just i just think that that damon probably has it more have we had an inner geekdom match this season yet no this is going to be the debut for the season it's going to be interesting because we've talked about how in the singles matches the questions have gotten a little bit easier like just in the first round at least so i wonder what it's going to be like for inner geekdom interesting like especially with the questions being brought back in it's going to be interesting to see whether or not that level has dropped down a tiny bit especially for a technical debut match yeah, so it's like it's going to be tough. At like, what are the questions if they're like, you know, it's like in Winter Soldier, who does um, um, Captain America fight at the beginning? Like, like it's like Barack the Jumper or something. But it's or is the question going to be like, what is the movie? What is the second movie in the Captain America series? The first Avenger. Got it. You're you're, you're ready for intergeekdom. Yay. Yeah, so uh, we'll be here to cover it straight after and anything like that. We've also got an announcement tomorrow about something that's happening next week. Ooh, I'm excited. I know. Uh, Peggy, Peggy's been hard at work creating a promo for this, so it's going to be a ton of fun. 
Cool. All right. But yeah, um, so please watch, please like, subscribe, all that jazz. And yep, uh, uh, just quickly say it as well, FPTL Sunday, feature presentation pe- league. If you go feature presentation productions, you can also watch uh, Fancy Film Fights on there. Your, uh, what made, that made your list. Unbox um, should be returning, not this week, but a week after. And I'm um, just going to say, Darth is correct. Our track for leader. Yes. I also, uh, Garth got also mate. Yeah, absolutely, Garth. Yeah, so uh, please like, subscribe, find us on Facebook, uh, New Beach Empire, go uh, podcast feed, uh, feature presentation, podcast, feature presentation productions, podcast feed for, for any of the audio. And yeah, thank you very much for watching, people. Thank you very much.